Hey everyone, welcome to Video Research Podcast. Today we're joined by Khalid from Big Time Studios. Khalid is a is a good friend and has been on the pod multiple times. Um, he's previously worked at Illuvium as a game designer and now is is leading the game economy and, and design at Big Time Studios. Khalid, thanks for joining. Yeah, nice to be here actually. Uh, uh, yeah, so I've been here a couple of times and really looking forward to disclosing everything about Big Time's economy. Awesome. Um, let's let's jump in then. Can you sure. tell us about um, like maybe let's start about the the overall gameplay for those who don't know much about Big Time or maybe even the at the studio level, um, and we can get get uh, more granular from that. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. So, uh, Big Time is basically an action RPG uh, multiplayer game. And uh, one of the core pillars is accessibility. So we know all the problems that are with blockchain games and how, you know, to, you need to jump hoops in order to play some of these games. You need to buy and invest a lot of dollars to play of the game. And, and, and with big time, uh, the, one of the core pillars is we don't want to have all of that. We want it to be very accessible. We want it to attract uh, regular gamers as well, not only Web3 gamers. And we have done that by making sure that the game is, is free to play and there is no pay-to-win elements to it. The second thing is, uh, is our open loot platform, which is uh, kind of like a platform that handles all the NFTs in the game and how uh, players could just go there, log in with their Gmail account, and they could start trading with using their credit cards, NFTs. So they don't need to know anything about wallets, wallet management, everything is handled by us. Uh, so that's basically the, the, the game premise, and that's what we're trying to do with Big Time. Cool. And um, what is the genre of the game? So it's an action RPG uh, MMO, basically. Yeah. Okay. Um, so action RPG MMO, and you've been focusing a lot on like accessibility so that, you know, players can play for free without NFTs, there are no pay to win elements. Um, and, and there you have your own marketplace that handles all the NFT related transactions. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly okay. it. That's um, summary, I would say. Okay. What, so if we get into the game economy, what are the, um, so for example, even before getting into like NFTs and tokens, you know, if I want to play the game, I basically don't need to pay anything, right? I can just play the whole, almost the full content of levels. Uh, I assume there are either like maybe single player levels or, or it's like pure um, multiplayer. I can do it without spending a dime, right? Exactly, exactly. Not only that. So the main NFTs that are in the game are uh, mostly cosmetics. Okay, there are some classes of NFTs that are non-cosmetics and their main purpose is to craft these cosmetic NFTs. So we're trying to build an economy that is purely cosmetic, like a cosmetic-based economy. And, and, and then the reason for that is that uh, if you look at NFTs, you know, they have an, a, a very uh, easy or, or a direct plus one that they could add to any skins in any other game. So, if you, for example, if you take... Uh, Fortnite, or if you take uh, 
Valorant or League of Legends. Once I buy the skins, I don't. Uh, there is no true ownership. I cannot sell them if I want to. And NFTs solve that problem, and they make it a, a very a clear added value to the end user. And this is what we focus on. You know, how could we take the free-to-play model, and how could we add a plus one to it instead of trying to invent something new with uh, Web three communities and and DAOs and, and all of that complication? No, no. Let's just take ten step back actually, and let's let's plus one that free-to-play user experience. And let's try to make it work, which which I think is 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 a, is a more uh, is a better approach, honestly, for Web three. Like, let's take the value. Let's look at the added value to the user instead of adding these like staking and, and, and tokens vesting and all all of these complexity maybe might not benefit the user to be honest. Okay, um, so what what sets what different sets of NFTs do you have in the game? Okay, so the way we look at it is we have cosmetic NFTs and then we have non-cosmetic NFTs. So cosmetic NFTs are very obvious. The way they, they, they if, you, if you compare them to skins in other games, the differentiating element here is that they have limited supply. So every, every cosmetic NFT has uh, immutable limited supply. The second thing is, is it has true ownership. The user or the player can do whatever they want with it. Okay, the second class of NFTs that we got are, uh, let's call them utility NFTs, which compromise of spaces, which is our version of land, plus uh, utility NFTs, which are these factories that would enable players to attach them to their spaces, and now they could start producing these cosmetic NFTs, basically. And um, the utility NFTs, are those, these like land and factories, are those fixed in supply? Yes. So spaces, which is the virtual land, is fixed in supply. Also, the utility NFTs are fixed in supply. So only a specific subset of users could actually be crafters and could participate in the crafting economy. Got it. So, I mean, almost like the spaces um, and, and the utility NFT, these are almost like, like you said, like factories and land. It's like fixed in supply that enables the resource production, production of the cosmetics. So almost there is this um, intermediary level that controls the supply mechanism of, of cosmetics, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So in, in typical uh, free-to-play games that are based on, on skins, you have the, the studio who's selling skins directly to the user. What we're doing is we're actually giving the means of production to a subset of users, and then they would be able to craft these skins for the end user, and they would, they would decide what would be the prices, how much supply they're going to add, and, and things like that. So it's, it's actually, you know, uh, it also has some gamified elements to it. So it's not like once I have something, uh, I could just leave it and it would make me money and I don't need to do anything. No, it actually has some game, gameplay elements. There is some strategic choices that need to be made and things like that. Okay, and so um, as a as a you know space and say utility NFT owner, almost like a factory owner, um, I produce some some resources, and these resources because I don't produce the cosmetic directly, right? I produce resources that could be crafted into different cosmetics, cosmetic NFTs. Uh, no, actually, actually, you get to craft the, the cosmetics directly. 
So what happens is that we would create the 3D models. So let's say each season we would say, okay, we're expecting to have this much uh, users, then to, to make sure that the supply is, 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 is good, then we need to create X number of skins. So we create the 3D models, we decide on the rarities, and then we set the, the recipe cost for each of, of these uh, uh, cosmetics. And then we, we, we enable the recipes within these factories. So now if I'm, if I'm a space and utility NFT owner, I could craft cosmetic NFTs. I need to get the resources. And once I have them, I can start crafting these cosmetic NFTs and I could sell them afterwards. Got it. Okay. Um, and what what other um, NFTs do you have or how, how do they all relate? Because I've seen like different type of, you know, I've seen like hourglass and, and, and some other stuff as well. Yes. So, so the, the, the other thing that is, sits like in, in, in before the, the, the crafting, I would say, is our glasses. So our glasses is just, it's an NFT that would enable players to generate our token, which is time. Uh, and the reason for having this, uh, this NFT is that we don't want to have an issue where as, player, the, as the player base grows, more uh, suppliers of time token would get into the economy. We don't want to run into this issue. So that's why we want it to be very controlled. So the number of hourglasses would determine how many could farm these uh, time tokens, essentially. Uh, and one thing that we did, which is I think is, is a bit unique compared to the other games, is that we were looking at it as we don't want to have an, an, an asset that would produce the token forever. You know, we needed to add an element that would uh, be an economic lever for us in case we needed to control the supply, as well as add or introduce some element with stability to the token. And that's why we came up with a recharge mechanism where if you have an hourglass, it has some sand. Once you play, it will be depleted and you need to recharge it. And to recharge it, you need to pay time crystals which are essentially like a premium currency uh, that you could buy from big time, then it's recharged and you can start doing it again. And what this does is that assuming the token price drops below a certain amount, then it might not make sense for players with hourglasses to recharge them. So what ends up happening is not a lot of players would be recharging their hourglasses, therefore supply should, should, should decrease until the, 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 the price should go up where it becomes economically feasible or it makes sense to recharge and so on. And it's also would, would behave as a lever point where we have two, two, two variables here. One is how long does it take you to recharge an hourglass compared to the active time? So for example, let's say I have a, an hourglass that is active for seven days. Once it's depleted, how long does it take me to recharge it? If it takes me zero time, then it means uh, the current number of hourglasses in the economy could potentially be all of them active, 100%. But if we say, let's say this number is like three days of recharge compared to seven days that are active, then that number would decrease. So we have two levers, which are the recharge uh, time plus the, the, the USD dollar value, value to recharge, which we're going to be using to maintain uh, the supply and demand of the token, basically. Very interesting. So like the hourglass are pretty similar to almost like Bitcoin miners, right? If the economics of recharging hourglasses makes sense, 
um, when like the cost of, uh, you know, recharging that and maybe owning car glasses um, lower than the time token, um, then it might make sense. Otherwise, it just doesn't make sense, right? A bit like that analogy. Yeah, 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 exactly. And not only this, like, let, let's be honest here. In the end, for the game to, 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 to sustain itself, or to, for the economy to sustain, the main pillar of the economy is to have end users who should bring in the demand for these cosmetic NFTs. And these users would not come for free, to be honest. Like, we need to have a big enough user acquisition uh, budget to, 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 to sustain that. And the way by adding time crystals in the token recharge, what ends up happening is that we take our value as the company to sustain the company at that point. And then the time token is generated, and then the time token is consumed from the crafters, and then the cosmetic NFT is, is, is consumed by the end user. So we, we, we create a value chain, and we sit at the, at the end or at the point where we would charge the hourglass cost. And then whatever is ahead of that point is decided on, on the middleman that, that sits in between. Okay. Um, and in terms of the factory and the, the, the cosmetic NFT production, who determines the, um, the price of the NFTs? Yeah, so we don't have any influence on the price of the NFT up until the cost that we decide. So, for example, if we decide that this is the cost, then probably that would influence the price to an extent. But the way that we're trying to balance it is that we could know that we might have during a season, which is, let's say, it lasts for 90 days, we could have, let's say, for example, 100,000 players. Okay, what would be the disposable income on the game from these 100,000 players? From that, we could derive that, okay, this is how much buying power could be for the cosmetic NFTs, and that's the quantity that they would want. And on the other hand, we know that we have X number of factories. So we need to balance it out. So we don't, you know, we need to make sure that they, the, the crafters, they have enough margin. Uh, and us, we take our, 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 our share, and we need to make sure that there are players who are willing to, to, to put in money for, for these cosmetic NFTs. So it becomes like a macro level balancing, where each season we might change the crafting. Let's say, for example, we have uh, a lot of crafters during this season. So the way we would do it is we would increase the crafting time for all the recipes. The reason for that is we want to make sure that all the factories are being utilized. We don't want to have the, just like 10% of the factories being able to craft all the cosmetic NFTs. So that's, that's how we're looking at it. That's how we're going to balance it. But at, at the very bottom of the foundation is making sure that there is demand for these cosmetic NFTs. And I could talk later on, on how we tried to think about it and what are the things that we're planning to do. Yeah, sure. I mean, let's let's do that because the the economy is interestingly mostly focused on cosmetics, which is um, so like there's more innovation here on on like user generated content and cosmetics. Like maybe like a I don't know like a decentralized or sandbox come to my mind in terms of comparison um, because they're more focused on cosmetics versus other games where you have these like 
pay to win elements, utility NFTs were like, okay, if I buy this NFT, I'm going to have a better chance of winning because it's sort of like a pay to win element. Uh, and because I have a better chance of winning, I, I can actually earn more tokens as well based on my performance. But here it's not like that at all. It's much more like a, a, a like cosmetic based um, economy model and um, a very innovative one. So I would love to like hear how you're planning to, you know, um, have to have demand uh, for, for the game. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So uh, we would like, we know that we're going to have a different subset of, of user player types. So we're going to have the free to play user who does not care about cosmetic at all. And he just want to level up, finish content and so on. And that's completely fine. However, we, we, we would have a subset of, of users who would like to show off their positions. And imagine if I have something that is just like a one out of one, and we, we, the game is basically a canvas for you to show that off. So that's, that's one aspect. Another aspect is that we don't want to run into a, a problem where you would buy the, the cosmetic skin that you like, and then you would just wear that forever. What we want is we want to encourage having a collection. So a wide array of cosmetic NFTs, and, and we want to give you the opportunity to utilize that and use that. And then the way we came up with it is that we have two types of cosmetic NFTs. So one are the craftable, the other are non-craftable. So the non-craftable are actually drops that could, you could get in the game. Uh, and what we're going to do is we're going to add these exclusive portals that might uh, that might only have the, uh, a higher chance to, to, to get these non-craftable cosmetic NFTs in them. And for you to enter these exclusive portals, we would put specific requirements. Like you need to wear at least two rare cosmetic pieces. You need to wear at least two season one cosmetic pieces. Therefore, if I have a wide array of cosmetic NFTs, then I'm versatile. Whenever there is an event that has an exclusive portal with specific drops, I could get in. So it's like a feeds up into the system or, you know how typically in games, it's like you get items to acquire power to beat a, the more powerful boss to get items and so on. Yeah. We're trying to implement the same loop, but on collection. So if you have cosmetic NFTs, if you have a big collection, then you are, you can get even more through, you know, being versatile and being able to enter these portals and the, and, and the loop just continues. And that's the, the meta game that we're trying to create for collectors. Got it. And, and these um, exclusive events would be incentivized by um, sort of monetary incentives, right? So drops are going to be NFTs that you're able to sell. Yes, exactly. But however, like you could think about it as, okay, does it make sense for me to sell them or should I keep them because they could enable me in the future to enter even more events? It's like, that's the mindset that we want to put the collector in basically, and then they're free to decide, you know, some things might be so valuable that it might make, that might make sense to sell or not to sell, depending on your goals, depending on what you're trying to do essentially. Yeah. Um, and of course, you know, cosmetic based economies assume that, um, there needs to be a minimum number of like, you know, non-paying players so that you have, you, you come to a mess where like some percentage are willing to maybe spend money on um, buying and holding cosmetics so that you have a meaningful economy. Um, so this is more like a long run uh, economy um, design and planning, right? Uh, yes, of course. Like uh, essentially you would need uh, 
a lot of users uh, to be in the ecosystem for a cosmetic to be relevant. Like imagine if there is a game that has no users, it would not make any sense for me to have a cosmetic that looks nice, or maybe it's not as much valuable. So yeah, we, we always need to have a lot of users and uh, that's why the game is free to play. That's why it's, 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 it's an action RPG. It's a massive multiplayer game and it should, like it, everything feeds into creating this appeal for the massive audiences basically. Okay. Um, what else, like, um, you know, innovations, differences about the economy that, that you can share about? Uh, okay. So, um, I would, I would say that we, we, we really looked into or, or tried to design things around the, the crafting, uh, player. So, as I said, we have different type of players. We have uh, the free to play user, and then we have the, the crafters. And then we have the, the peacocker or the, or the one who wants to show off these cosmetic NFTs and things like that. And, and, and one thing we're trying to do is we're really focusing on how could we gamify the crafting system. We don't want to run into a, a gameplay that is stale, that is very straightforward, that lacks decision making. And we're trying to really build a game around uh, the crafter, trying to predict the market and trying to set up their uh, factories in a way where they would start producing swords or axes or maybe specific boots, given the, 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 the current situation of the market. And that's exactly what, what we're trying to do. And we're adding actually game elements to sit on top of that layer. So we're not, we don't want it to just end where I look at the market and then let me craft X because I predict the price of X goes down. We actually have something that is called set bonuses. Uh, so imagine you have your space and then each space has a, a number of rooms, let's say five rooms. And in each of these rooms, I could put my utility NFTs. Now, what we did is that we created types. Let's say I have an armory that craft arm, uh, armors, essentially. We would have three or four different types of armories. Let's, let's call them colors like red, blue, green, or whatever. Uh, and we did something that we borrowed this from the auto battler uh, game, something like team fight tactics, where it's like, you know, how you set up your team and depending on, on, on your team, you might get X bonus or Y bonus. The same goes for the spaces. So if you have a specific setup, let's say two red armories and one uh, blue forge, then you might enable a specific uh, buff that helps you in, in, in crafting. And this set of buffs might change week to week or month to month just to keep things fresh always. So we were trying to really gamify it. We want the, the, the crafter to always be researching, always to look for the most optimal ways. And we want this to always change. We don't want it to be stale. I think that's something that would, might be different than, than some other games out there. Yeah, the, like, I feel like the crafting uh, mechanism is very interesting, um, but I'm worried that what if like, the, the spaces and, and utility NFTs, which are fixed in supply, are hoarded by institutions. And um, they try to optimize crafting um, through, you know, very, like, arithmetic, very um, rational um, processes, like having a team of, you know, quants and data analysts and scientists. Would that, like take away the fun and, and sort of make them a bit like value extractors? 
Okay, so actually it's funny that you asked. So one rule that I abide by in game design is is you need to align the, the, the incentive of the player and, and you need to, to uh, design around that. So for example, let's say my objective is I want to level up as fast as possible. So what you need to do is you need to set up systems where the fastest way to level up should be the most fun way to level up. Therefore, I have to interact with the game if I if this is my objective. So the way that we need to do it is that the, the best way to extract value should be the most fun way in our, in our point of view and should have you interact with all our systems to make sure that you achieve your goal. We need to align it. We shouldn't design a game that is not, or, or game systems that has nothing to do with the, the best way to, to extract value. These are useless systems. In the end, uh, the game player wants to optimize. Most of them are min-maxers. And we need to design around that, I think. Okay. Um, what about the, the time token? That is like the, like the utility token of the game, right? Yeah. The, so, yeah. yeah, go ahead. The I assume that the value would value from the game, like when when someone buys cosmetics, you know maybe the the, the currency is going to be in time token, or if there's a cut, that cut like the the commission would go to the time token treasury. Are you thinking like that? Yeah, yeah, I, I, could, I could talk in details about that more. Okay, so the the time token is a utility token that does not have any pre, you know, most it will not have any pre allocation, so it's not like a a governance token where we would raise funds onto that, nothing like that. And it will not have any staking or anything uh, related to that as well. So its main essence is, is it needs to act as the glue of the entire economy. Uh, and the way that we're looking at it is, is actually, if you look at how it gets generated, so you need to have an hourglass, you need to play the game and you need to recharge your hourglass. So essentially it, it, it has two sides. One of it is like the, the amount or cost that you paid in Time Crystal. The other half is, is, is a, a premium gameplay time, essentially, because you need to have an hourglass and you need to play. So that's what the token means. Uh, the way that we're looking at it is, is the main uh, way to spend this token is through the crafting. So let's say I want to craft a sword, and that would be the, the, the majority of, of the spending for the token. could happen there, the crafting. However, because we have limited hourglasses that could produce a time token, we wanted to actually have the spending be uncapped. Essentially, the more users we have, the more potential we have for spending or demand for the token. So we needed to not only include it in the crafting, but also put some options for, if I don't have any utility entities, I don't have spaces, I should be able to spend time token. And that's what we did. You know, if, 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 if you remember about me talking about the exclusive portals, some of them might require time tokens to enter. So you need to wear cosmetic uh, X, Y, Z, and plus you need to pay some time token. Now you can go there and, and start uh, uh, playing in that portal, things like that. So we're really looking at it from a purely spending and generation. What are the flows? What are the sinks? How could we limit uh, the flows and how can we let the sinks be unlimited? That's how we're thinking about it. Now for the marketplace, 
it will be uh, mostly in, in, in fiat. You can go there, you can spend your, your dollars. You don't need to spend time token. Uh, we're going to leave it like, again, for accessibility. Are there any, um, like, sinks and flows that do not agree to time token and agree to an, uh, any other entity? Could be like the equity entity, could be. Um, well, I'm gonna, I was going to say like factory space owners, but they're they're indirectly um, benefiting from the appreciation time token actually. So, uh, I mean, time token is, is is not meant to be like a, something that preserves value. It could, it could, it could be speculative, okay, but its main mechanism is acting as as, as a glue of the economy. Uh, however. Like, as I said, because of how the mechanics work, as the user base grows, the demand potentially should grow, however, the supply should be capped, then that would allow some, you know, price action, let me call it, to happen, essentially. But uh, we don't have any, any specific burning mechanisms where, no, 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 it's, it's actually very straightforward. Whatever is spent is burnt, whatever is generated is generated. We don't have any extra stuff or layers that are added on top you know, DeFi elements, for example. No, 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 nothing like that. So we're really working with the fundamentals here. Okay. Yeah, I mean, very, very interesting design. Um, there are some off-chain resources as well, right? Related yes. to the, 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 the token, I guess. How, 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 how does that fit into the economy? Okay, so we have tons of uh, off-chain elements, okay, that are, let's say, related to player progression, related to power. These things, we want to maintain them off-chain. We don't want to allow any, any purchasing of power, essentially. But uh, anything that is related to the crafting economy, uh, what I would say mostly is 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 on chain. We have one one uh, resource that is called Cosmetic Shards, which is uh, basically a resource that anyone could could generate and you could sell it in, in the market. And the reason for that is we, we 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 ran into an issue where let's say we introduce a new season in the game and we added these new recipes. What could happen is that time token could be stored. So I could have, let's say, 2 million time tokens, and I could go into the recipes and I could spend them all now and I craft, let's say, 20, 30% of the cosmetics during a season in just the first day. And this is not something that we wanted. We wanted the, the content to be consumed during the season. And for that reason, we had to introduce a new uh, resource that each season essentially resets or each season we will introduce a new resource. Let's say now we're playing in season two. So all the crafting recipes would require season two cosmetic shards. And at day, day one, all the players, they have zero of these cosmetic shards. So the only way for them to get them is they need to play in season two. And that's what's going to be the gating mechanism where it would allow the content in the season to be consumed during the season. Uh, one thing I'd like to touch up uh, on this, like, 
and, and this is maybe like, uh, it could be as a critique for us is that, okay, if, if each season you're going to introduce new cosmetic NFTs, what's going to happen to the previous season NFTs? You know, this would end up in an, in an accumulation that is happening. And our response to that is that what we're going to try to do is we're going to create some burning mechanism for cosmetic NFTs. And this would be done selectively. So let's say we, 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 we see an item that price goes down below X. What we could do is create a vendor in the game that requires this cosmetic NFT and they would give you X reward. So this is kind of adding like a, a floor or a soft floor price or a selective floor, floor price for these cosmetic NFTs. So whenever the price goes down, we would introduce a burning mechanism and that's how we're going to maintain the health of previous season cosmetic NFTs. Yeah, that makes sense because that, that is going to be a problem, right? Um, because I mean, as every season you're, you're introducing new cosmetics and uh, cosmetics from the older seasons, most of them will lose their value. Maybe some won't, some might have the legacy value or, you know, they might be so unique or they maybe an influencer uses them so they they have a special value. Um, but yeah, this is, this is something you're gonna have. And cosmetic shards, are these going to be like on-chain tokens? Okay. Uh, so we're, we're not 100% sure about the, the technicality of them, how we're going to implement them, but they need to be tradable. They need to be tradable. Uh, but the thing about them is that every season we need to create a new type. So not sure if like a token would be the best solution for it. It may be like we would do some, some package or bundles where you could sell a thousand at a time or something like that. But th they are there for a very specific technical reason, you know? So we're still looking into the technicalities for them. Got it. What about time crystals? What are they? So time crystals are essentially premium currency. It's something typical that you would find in, in, in free to play games. So let's say the reason for actually introducing them is that we needed to add an element in the economy that is, is stable. Okay. Which is like, uh, whenever we needed an element where it's, it's, it has a stable fixed cost. That's where we're going to use time tokens. And then there, is, there are ways in the game that you could earn time token for free. They could drop, but they are, they are rare, but that's their, their, their purpose essentially. Are these similar to hard currency in free to play games? Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. Now, just because they exist does not mean that we know we're going to use them everywhere. No, no, we're going to use them very specifically in places where they are needed, <laughs> you know? Uh, I, like I'm, I'm trying to actually write an, an, an article explaining why we needed time crystals and how they should be implemented and why everyone should not freak out once they see something like this. Again, like we're trying to plus one, the free to play game experience where we're, 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 we don't want to come in and you know, reinvent every single thing. In free to play, there are things that work. There are things that are, you know, needed and, and, and we should take what we need, honestly. Yeah. Well, it, it does make sense, you know, because, um, well, if you, if you require time token to pay for something, 
um, versus the time crystals. Because the time crystals, like if I buy time token, I can just sell it as well. Whereas time crystals, I cannot sell it. I have to consume it within the game or it's just get gets destroyed almost. Um, it, it does make sense. So like what happens to, for example, you know, I buy time crystals, um, the earnings go to um, the, the big time studios, the, the equity entity, right? It doesn't go back to NFTs or tokens somehow. No, no, no. It, it goes, it goes to us. And 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 uh, one thing I'd like to add about time crystals is they are mostly used in things related to the hourglass, which is the regeneration of time token. So, for example, crafting hourglasses would cost time crystals. Recharging hourglasses would cost time crystals, and 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 so on. So, whenever players buy time crystals, this goes to the equity entity. And then once I have the hourglasses, time tokens, whatever I could craft, and I could I could. Uh, sell my my cosmetic NFTs once they are crafted. Got it. So it's almost like the equity entity is selling tokens and receiving the, the funds via the time crystal sale, in a sense. No, 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 not 100% like that. So if, if, if you would look at it like the time crystal, let's say, let's say, for example, that the time token uh, price is, let's say, X. So it, it it will not be whatever we charge is actually the, the 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 price of the token, because there is limited supply and there is, you know, unlimited essentially demand or or uncapped. So depending on that equation, the time crystal uh, recharge cost compared to the price could be uh, very different. You know, so it's it's not always like a one to one. No, there is some element there that I would look at the cost and then I need to look at the demand and, and, and so on. Got it. So like if the time token goes up in price um, or maybe like space and utility NFTs, these are priced based on time token, right? Uh, no, the, these are currently found in the market like they are quoted in, in, in USD, so fiat. Okay. Got it. Um, okay. So the, so going back to then forgetting about the time token spaces on utility NFTs, let's say there's a lot of demand, you know, people are buying them. Um, their prices will likely go up the average space or utility NFT price. And then likely the stuff they produce, the cosmetic they produce, um, will also have a, a higher price because, you know, naturally they want to make back their, uh, investment. Um, but then it's, it's going to be the market who decides whether those cosmetics are going to be actually be bought at those high f prices, um, or not. Right. Um, so in a sense, like you don't have the problem that other land-based games have, whereas, you know, they set the high prices and those high prices results in an in, in inefficiency of capital distribution. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like as I said, the foundation of the economy lies on the demand for these cosmetic entities that is coming from traditional gamers, you know? And, and what we're, we're betting on is that if if 
We add property to the typical skin that you could buy in a game, such as limited quantity through ownership, plus the way that we were saying, like how, how you could use exclusive, exclusive portals and things like that. That's what's going to drive the demand. So yes, the, the, the entire thing is built around will the demand be there or not? Because I could tell you that typically in, in, in Web3 games, what we see is that the majority of players are Web3 native players who are expecting to make money. And what ends up happening is if all the users who put in a dollar in the economy are expecting to get $2 in return, then it will not work. So the question becomes, how could we uh, add a source of funding flowing into the ecosystem who does not look to get returns back, but they are actually are in it for the experience. And once you add that component into the equation, then that's how you're going to solve the, the sustainability issue. It's not done by, by having some very sophisticated system or mechanisms. No, no, that's actually how you solve it. Money flowing in who are not expecting to get a return back, but they are expecting to get uh, gaming experience essentially. And that's Got what it. we're trying to do. In terms of NFT uh, supply schedule mechanism, so the, the space and utility NFT owners, are they, in a given season, are they able to mint as much as NFT they can? Or is there a cap? The reason why I'm asking this, and do you, do you determine the cap? Like, do you predetermine it at the beginning of every season? Or can you change it during the season? The reason why I'm asking this, like, let's think of Axie. You know, if there's more demand uh, for the for the NFTs than the existing supply, they have this, like, breeding cost breeding mechanism where, you know, the breeding works as this, like, automatic supply uh, minting schedule almost. Um, but in this case, because you have, like, crafting and you have specific 3D models for, uh, for crafting, I wasn't sure how you're, you're thinking about this. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So, so the way that we're thinking about it is that we should predefine the max supply before the season starts. So let's say we have a specific line of cosmetic NFT, let's say this red sword. So the red sword would have 10 tiers of rarities from common all the way to unique. And whenever they increase or whenever the rarity increases, the visuals would look more impressive. So the common would have, let's say, for example, 5,000 max supply. The unique, which is the highest rarity, would have just one out of one. And the way that we're trying to, 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 to set it up is that the actual season, from a crafter's point of view, is actually a race to see who's going to reach that unique. Okay? Crafting a unique is not an easy task at all. It's, it's probably very difficult for just a single person to craft it. Because the, the, the requirement are, are, you know, uh, three cosmetic NFTs of the previous rarity and, and so on. And once you do run the map, you see that, okay, you need to craft at least 20,000 commons and you need to upgrade them all the way to, to reach the unique. So it's, it's actually going to be a race. Uh, and, and what we're trying to do is we want to make sure that everyone in the economy is contributing towards crafting this unique. So whether you are a free-to-play player who are, who's playing and he's supplying the cosmetic shards, or I have a small low-tier low uh, space and I'm, and I'm just refining these cosmetic shards and that's my role in the economy, or you sit on the top and you're actually going to be the person who would craft this, this, this unique. 
uh, and we're going to balance out the recipes in a way to, again, make sure that all the assets are utilized. And we don't want just a subset to be able to finish all the cosmetics early during the season. That's, that's not the goal. We're trying to really utilize everyone during the season. Okay, so, so the crafters are actually competing um, on, on who will mint the unique. And every crafter is almost like doing their own auction in a sense. Whenever they produce a new NFT, they're basically trying to sell it off. Um, what about, let's say you said, you know, 10,000. 10, let's say you decide on 10,000 NFTs and there are 10 tiers of rarity. What if there is like a lot of demand and uh, the prices just become, you know, they become too unaffordable. Um, do you intervene at that season or do you just let the market um, decide on pricing and make your planning for the next season based on that season? Okay, so, so first of all, our solution to this problem is by simply adding the line of NFTs in a season. So instead of having five, five lines of cosmetic NFTs, we might have 10 or 15 we would not change the max supply. And because the, the space owners and utility NFTs are a fixed, fixed, fixed number of them are out there, what we need to do is you need to decrease the crafting times. Now it becomes okay. We are still the same 10 crafters, but because the time of crafting time decreased, now we can craft during a season, let's say 15 instead of 10. So that's how we're going to do it. Uh, whether we're going to do it in the middle of the season, I think it would be pretty hard because of, of, of the, the, the production that is needed or that goes into creating these items. It's not something that we could just patch up in two days and, and put it out there. So probably it would be, it would be a long shot. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think that's, that's how we're thinking about it. It's just like, let's look, let's try to predict, and then let's put something that is reasonable with, with, with some safety threshold, essentially. Got it. That makes sense. Okay. So in, in a sense, um, the crafters, there is, there is no limit on how many NFTs would be crafted in a given season. There's no like theoretical cap. Um, it can be any number. Like if, if there's no demand at all, the number, the total number could even be like one or even five. Um, but if there's a lot of demand, you, if you see that the price has become too high, I, I assume that you would have some sort of like a, you would watch the prices and you would decide on whether a specific pricing point is like too high, maybe based on the, the player commentary, maybe based on retention, different figures. Um, then you would basically shorten the production time, the crafting time for the crafters so that more NFTs could get into the, to the circulating supply, um, essentially lowering the average NFT price. Yes, yes, some something like that. But again, we would do it not like we didn't do a sudden cha sudden change. Whereas, like, let's say I set up everything and I did my calculation, and now why did you change that? Now we're, we're going to adjust it. I think per season, you know, depending on the, on the current uh, predictions, essentially. Yeah, and crafters like what other than you know understanding the market. What skill do they need? Do they, do they creatively get involved in the crafting process um, and in the design? So the actual design of the 3D, 3D models, uh, so far, no. 
we, we, we create all of those. And we just, as, as I said, we enable the recipes. But the way that they need to uh, think about it is, is, is again, they, if they are in it to, to make a profit, then they need to look at what would be hot. They could predict, okay, this maybe looks cool, then let me set, set up my, my factories in a way to optimize it for these type of cosmetics. So things, things like that. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, that's that's how uh, I think it's going to be played out. Okay, and you know, I mean, since this is like an action RPG game, I assume that there will be you know weapons, armors, all these different um, stuff that players would have. Based on this conversation, I I assume that um, those are not going to be NFTs, right? Um, you'd be able to get, you know, skins and cosmetics for those, and those would be NFTs, but the actual um, weapons and armors themselves wouldn't be NFTs. What what was the um, decision-making process behind that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're, you're right that they won't be NFTs. And again, the reason is that we want to make sure that player progression power is, is not something tradable, not something you could sell, not something you can monetize. And that's how we're going to maintain the integrity of the gameplay experience for the free-to-play user, essentially. So that's what we're trying to do. That's that's why we're, we're making it purely cosmetic and all the things that we're doing related to cosmetic is just to maintain that integrity of the gameplay experience. Got it. And... Um... Are there any like monetary uh, incentives for, let's say, like skilled players or or, or or average skilled players? Yes, yes. So I, I could I could tell you a few things. So the way we're we're doing it is, we don't want, let's say, if if your player type again is the farmer. What we would like to do is we would set up the, the, the path that has the best farming should be the most challenging as well. So also you should have a good experience. You shouldn't have a mundane experience of just coming, clicking buttons and you did your daily cotton and so on. So cosmetic shards would drop higher in, in areas where they have uh, more powerful monsters or higher level content. If you have an hourglass, also depends on the content that you're engaging with. If I'm playing in a low level area, I might get a lower amount compared to higher uh, or end game content area. So things things like that. Skill should should should, should play a factor into into uh, earning of time tokens and cosmetic shards and things like that. Also also for the exclusive portals, we we might make some portals that okay it has higher chances, but does not mean that anyone could finish it. You know. I think that that's that's where where we want to kind of you know uh, have the gameplay experience be enjoyable no matter what your goal is no matter what type of player you are you should come in and you should have an enjoyable experience got it yeah in terms of um the, the cosmetics are pretty interesting because it's like a really cosmetic-based economy. And uh, the time token um, and the factory interface, how are you planning to sell 
the the fixed supply NFTs, the supply the spaces and, and utility NFTs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so spaces we have already sold uh, uh, a couple already directly. Uh, the utility NFTs there is we already have some boxes that are like a mystery box uh, utility NFTs that player have got and there there will be more to come. Uh, on top of that, we're also going to allocate a small amount to be dropped in the game. So if you're playing the game, you might get a space, you might get a utility NFT. It's a very low chance, but that chance exists. Um, and, and lastly, is we, we, we have a plan to airdrop uh, a large amount of utility NFTs for all the holders of any of our NFTs. So essentially, we're, we're doing a point-based system where we would look at the, the player account, and then we would uh, give it uh, a point allocation. And then depending on that point, it might make you eligible for X or Y or specific amount. And that's just to give back for the uh, holders of our NFTs up until this point and, and going forward. Got it. Yeah, I, I like the idea of the, the, the lottery ticket idea where, like, if you're playing the game, there is a lower chance, but you might get airdropped the oh, yeah. the NFTs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then rewarding the existing NFT owners. Um, spaces, spaces were sold directly. How many spaces are there going to be, by the way? So the, the, the max supply is around six, uh, 600,000. Uh, on top okay. of my head, I'm not sure what the amount that we, we have. But it's it's roughly around I think twenty eight percent is already out there in circulation. Okay, so almost like two thousand are already like out there in circulation. Uh, and, yes. and when you say sold directly, were these sold like through an auction or more like a private uh, sale, OTC sale? Uh, it was a mix between a private and a public sale, if I believe. Okay. Um. Do, do, do you remember like the, the, the prices, how much was it sold for or, or the current market price? Uh, current market price, I th uh, I'm, I'm not sure actually, I'm not sure. Uh, this, these were done before I, I, I joined, I only joined big time, I think uh, two okay. or three months back. So I'm, I'm not <laughs> really sure about that. I dove directly into the system design of the economy and things like that and trying to yeah, yeah make everything uh, make sense. But yeah, I don't recall actually. But you can you can check them out on Open, open Loot uh, platform, so OpenLoot.com, marketplace. It has all our NFTs there, and you can check them out. Got it. Yeah, this is. I mean, this is very very uh, insightful conversation, man. This, um, I think, we got pretty deep into how how the the overall um, economy was designed. Uh, especially the cosmetic, you know, economy. Uh, and I, it is pretty unique in terms of, especially the crafting part is like, you, you spend so much time, obviously, thinking about this and, and playing different almost scenarios in, in your mind or maybe even, even in your models that um, I, I feel like you thought about all different potential, you know, side problems. And yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, thank you very much. I mean, we really spent time, but in all honesty, like when I came to Big Time, most of these these systems were flushed out. All I had to do was just orchestrate everything, 
and, and work with the guys to, to make sure that we've got something that is, you know, uh, polished out. We took care of all the edge cases and things like that. And finally, we just uh, published our economy, I think, one week or two weeks ago. Yeah, so awesome. really thank, thank you very much for giving me the opportunity. Huh, no problem. Okay, thanks for joining. Um, any any announcement you want to make uh, to the audience regarding the, the economy or the game or anything else? So one thing I'd like to say is stay tuned. We got some announcement that we're going to be dropping soon, maybe this week or next week. So just stay tuned. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Okay, exciting. Alec, thanks for joining. Um, looking forward to see you again uh, on the podcast and listeners. Thanks for listening. See you on another episode.